Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. I don't know what you're going through, but I want you to know tonight you got faith. Good evening. I'm your host, Hezekiah L. Montgomery, host of The Man in the Mirror, and I'm truly excited tonight about tonight's guests. Tonight, we have a live interview with a friend and now a new mentor, Deacon Thomas Farr, a man on fire for God. This show is open forum, and if you want to chime in, just chime in by pressing the number one on your phone. And before I give a brief description of our tonight's guest, without further ado, let me bring on our co-host, Michelle Johnson. Welcome back to the show, Michelle. Thank you, Hezekiah. So glad to be back. Now, a brief description of our tonight's guest. The firstborn son of Thomas and Jeanette Farr, He met his future wife, Desiree Raglan, in 1977. In 1980, served five years in the U.S. Navy. Married Desiree in 1983. He's a husband of of Desiree Farr for 32 years. Came to faith in Christ in 1996. Became an ordained deacon in 2004. Deacon Farr is a father Father of Thomas Father III, Erica, and Sarah Grand. Father of five sons. He has a passion for ministry to men and in and out of the body of Christ. Host talk of two two shows, Issues Christian Men Talk on Public Access TV and on Blog Talk Radio, Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. And without further ado, again, we're going to bring on Deacon Thomas Farr. Deacon Farr, welcome to The Man in the Mirror. How are you doing today, sir? I'm wonderful, sir. How are you? I am blessed. And before we move on, I'm actually going to um, start tonight's show on with prayer so we can have a blessed time in the Lord. Dear Heavenly Amen. Father, we just bow down as humble service, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for lying down and waking up to a day we've never seen before, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for loving us enough to go on the cross and die for our sins, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this show, Lord. We just pray that it reaches masses beyond masses, that they will listen to the shows, grow from the shows, that they will understand what our tagline is, real people, real stories, real overcomers, Lord. Bless Deacon Farr, bless Michelle, bless myself as we just continue on this episode tonight. We ask all these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Deacon Farr, Deacon Farr, you have a story. So just give us some, you know, information about yourself. You know, you you know, you know, were in the service. You went to the service for um, several years, and me, myself, years ago, when they wanted to try to um, recruit me in high school, I said, oh, no, 
I'm not doing it because that's what you know. Way back when, that's when they start recruiting people, and they wanted you know wanted some people you know wanted people to be in a service band. But I was not one of those people. So um, just give us some background about yourself, you know, so our listeners can you know not just from me reading or just you know reading your synopsis of you, but tell us about Deacon Farr. Amen, brother. First, let me say, let me thank you for uh, being on the show, and I say good evening to your to your get your co-host. How are you, good sister? Evening. I'm great. I'm great. How are you? I'm excellent. Excellent. Well, bro. Uh, well, basically, you know, like my story starts like um, all the other stories in America. I was born a poor black child. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm, like I'm originally from New York. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm originally from New York. Uh, I was raised in the Bronx, Bronx, Manhattan. Uh, New York City born, bred. And uh, like like you said in the, in the bio, after high school, I uh, joined the Navy. I was in the Navy for about five years. And all that to end in, you know, I met my wife early in high school, 77. I was like a uh, junior in high school. And we met then from uh, from the neighborhood and you know, we just we stuck together for a while. I went into the service, and you know, like the old saying, she waited till I came back. We ended up getting married uh, after my first enlistment. Well, after about three years in the service, uh, we had got married and had a son, and um, and from there we just our family grew. You know, I had my daughter, and then you know, all through the eighties and and the nineties, and you know, we was married all that time, raising our families. Ended up moving to Maryland. Uh, here in the Baltimore area, came down here around 1989, 1990, and we've been living here ever since. And uh, like like in the bio, I came into faith around. Well, I was in the church a couple of years around '95. So my wife, my my wife had found the church, started going with her girlfriend, and she went for a couple of years. Then I then I went, and then I started going, and then I gave my life to Christ after about you know two three years in the church and studying and listening and watching. And um, then after that, the ministry I was in at the time, you know, it was a lot of outreach, a lot of teaching, and it just it started, it started, um, you know, it built up in me, and and through that growth, through that maturity in Christ, you know, I became part of ministry, started serving in ministry. We uh, we did a lot of outreaches back then. Yeah, I look back on it now; it's almost like 20 years or so now. We had to do a lot of outreach in the, in the area of Annapolis and Anne Arundel County here in Bolt in the Maryland area. We did a lot of street outreach door to door, you know, doing things in the summertime, doing uh, uh, concerts and block parties and you know health fairs and things like that, reaching the community, serving Christ, and that's, that's where my, my my biblical and Christian foundation has come from. That outreach and going out to the community, not so much being inside the four walls, and. Um, and that's where I'm at now. So through that, you know, a lot of issues have come up in my life, even after salvation. Like I said, I'm, I got to give my life to Christ in 1990. I was about to ask you, you know, because I know with 32 <laughs> years of marriage, which you've been married longer than some people have been dating and long, some people have been together, you know, I commend you <laughs> and your wife on that because marriage is a hard thing. Amen. Well, I tell you. Well, let me. I I, I tell folks we talk about that. Like the first the first fifteen years, I got fifteen years in the world and fifteen years of marriage with Christ. So, the first fifteen, you know, I I, I tell folks, 
You know, if, if me and my wife made it to that first 15, anything you're going through, you should be able to hold. Because that 15 years, there's a lot of things going on right about the time we, my wife came to Christ and I came to Christ. And it was a struggle. And it would not, mm-hmm. and I always testify that without God, I don't even know if we would have made it to the other 15. So I, I definitely, you know, I talk to people about marriage. I tell them about the first 15 first. Then I tell them about the second 15. Because without, without God, you know, you need, I never know where we'd be now today. Because there's a lot of things going on, you know, young, you're married in your 20s and your 30s. A lot of stuff goes on. A lot of things happen. You get closer. You argue. Things happen. Jobs, finances, ups, downs, all those things. And we and we were blessed by God to be able to, to really, those struggles brought us close together. And then, you know, we, we've been through some stuff. And then when Christ came, you know, one of the first things, I look back on it now, one of the first things we got into the church, we got into, we both got into trying to save our marriage and, and learning what it meant to be a wife and learning what it meant to be a husband, biblically. Because we both came from two different backgrounds. And so we came together to really understand what, what the Bible says about husband, wife, family, and relationships and how they should work. And that's one of the things I thank God for. Because even in the midst of my stuff, my wife learned what it meant to be a godly wife. And even though, you know, she, at the time we look back on it now, even the church folk gave us some erroneous advice and things she should do and shouldn't do. But what she learned from the word of God, she learned to, you know, she had to, you know, turn her back on some of that stuff. And I listened to all the advice she was getting. So, you know, again, I say it, it, it's about, it's about, our relationship with God and how we read and study the word of God. And then you have to be under, under the right people. You know, you have to be under, you have to be around married folk who actually love each other and love God. And then you can glean off of them. You know, you uh-huh. give everybody in the church, everybody in the church is married, they ain't happy. So they'll, they'll give you uh-huh. some jacked up advice. They give you some jacked up advice sometimes and call it God. And it's not God. So, I thank God for that, and my wife had the wisdom, and she also she she gleaned to some women who've been married, who knew some stuff, and knew what knew the value of marriage, and that really helps to keep us together. So you know, from that we just and then like I said, we we started getting together. We got into a lot of couples and marriage ministry events and conferences, and you know, a lot of stuff just to help fortify and grow our marriage. We didn't do it alone. We went out to things that there was things at our local church, there was conferences and other things that we attended to help mature our marriage, you know, to help grow us, help to reinforce and, and open our eyes to some stuff. Cause you know, you, you can listen to people who, who've been through some stuff and you learn from their stuff. And that's what we happen to do. And that helps us. And to, even today, just to the fact that we've been together a while, we, we see it in, in this next generation that we can, we, with some of the stuff we've learned through teaching and through living, we tend to we can be able to share with younger couples. So you know, because you know, it's it's it really marriage is the struggles are there, and everyone goes through them. Just a lot of times, married couples think they're the only ones going through, and then in the church sometimes we have uh, you know problems with uh, how should I say with masquerades, facades, and certain certain people shouldn't have problems. So that's how things fester and grow. 
underneath the surface, and that's when that, that's not what God had planned for marriage. So that's that's one of the, one of the things I always talk about when I talk about when we talk about our marriage. That it, it, it's a God thing. It's God that saved us. It's God that kept us, and it's continually God helping us grow. Even now, you know, thirty years might seem like a long, but I got you know, got like seventy more to go. So we'll see how that works out. Amen. 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 Some people look at you like seventy more. My goodness. But um, <laughs> let's back up a little. Let's back up a little. Um, I'm sorry, um, Michelle. Did you have anything to um, comment on? Um, no, I just love how. Well, I guess I shouldn't have said no if I was going to comment, but I, <laughs> I love. Uh, how he, speaking for how you were talking about um, your wife not listening to what people were saying, but instead looking to God. And I think that was a very important point uh, that, you know, us as humans in marriage, that's what we should be looking towards. We should be looking towards what God is saying about our marriage and how we're, supposed to operate um, in marriage with one another as opposed to getting advice from man. Excellent. And I'm going to um, piggyback on that. Um, I I heard you say, you know, you were getting the people and some of the people in the church were giving some erroneous advice, um, you know, to you. And um, so, what is that? How is that characteristic with some of the people in the church today? You know, because you're saying you guys are married 32 years, so is that still can on today, or what? What can we do to actually stop all stop all those you know naysayers as they would say in the church? Well, I think what it is first of all, we have to be realistic that. Remember who church folk is. Church folks are sinners saved by grace, and everybody's at different places. You know, and like I say, you know, you have married couples in the church. You know, you can look around, and you can tell married couples who ain't happy about being married. You know what I mean? It, it's simple as that. We have to be able to read people. We have to have discernment. And when you're going through something, you know, you need to. You have to find and gravitate to those whose marriages have longevity who are happy about being married, who who you can see that they love each other in public. You can see them that, you know, they don't they don't come to church with a sour face. Because if you see a couple that comes to church with a sour face all the time, I don't think you want to – you don't want to fellowship with them and you don't want to really ask them when you're going through. I mean, it's, it, 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 it's just like, hey, it's just like – I say it a lot, you know. I, I used to joke about this early in my salvation, but I, it's, I think it still applies. You know, the church is just like the world. We just don't do a whole lot of cussing and fussing. But the, the personalities are there. People have underlying underlying issues that they're dealing with because God is still working some stuff out in them. And, again, you know, you have to, find, you have to gravitate and find people who understand marriage and enjoy their marriage because it's like, a happy marriage. Because even those who may – want to counsel you and give you advice, if they're not happy in their marriage, they're not going to give you no good advice necessarily. And then the thing I also, I want to, I like to, my wife, my, even my wife will testify to this. You sisters that's married, you can't listen to no sister who ain't got no man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm very sorry. Amen. Well, 
Well, well I'm just saying. Uh, uh, that's just me. Because we, uh, well, brother, I, I didn't, I didn't warn you. Sometimes I can get you in trouble because you were around me. I'm gonna let you know that right now. <laughs> but you know um, what? I, I agree with you because I don't think a man that's married should be hanging around men that are not married because they don't yes, understand. They, yeah, they yeah, can't. Man, you I mean, right. you they can't. don't understand. They get you in trouble. Yes, they will because they don't. They 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 not they not committed to nothing. I mean, you can't get advice from about commitment from somebody who's not committed. I mean, it's simple. Uh, to me, that's logical because I could look back on, you know, hanging with, hanging, with, hanging with my brothers who didn't have no wife was some of my issues. So, you know, <laughs> oh, okay. okay. So, you know, I understand. So it, it, in the church, it's the same thing. Again, I say, you know, I mean, a brother can be whatever. He could be, he could be elder, minister, whatever. But if you don't have a wife, I, you, you know, you have to, you know, you have to, you have to test it and discern through, 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 the, through the advice. But anyway, um, no, no, I'm just, you know, and, um, I lost my train of thought, but basically it was just to, it, it was really what it was. We were seeking to save our marriage. And then we gravitated okay. to some of the older couples our pastor at the time, because him and his wife were solid, and then there was other there was other mature saints, mature I would say mature saints, because we at that time we were all around in the same age category. But some of the folk were raised in the church, some of them been married a while, and they were both God fearing, for husband and wife. So we was able to glean from them, and like I said, we also took initiative to go. You know, there used to be there's a lot, there's a lot of uh, marriage ministries out there. There's you know, there's uh, family life focus on the family, and we I still do. There's a lot of things that you can take and, and put time into instead of going on a cruise or going you know whatever people want to spend their money on and try and get a get a getaway. But all you do is lay on the beach and look at each other and come back and be fussing and fighting about the same thing. But if you're going to do something to edify your marriage, to be taught to be, you know, ministered to, to be mentored, then the marriage can grow. You can learn something. And I think, Amen. you know, married couples, we have to be open to. We don't know. We ain't got it all, especially if, you know, especially if we just don't know. There's some things about marriage, especially biblical marriage, that we're not going to get from mama, daddy, and auntie, and everybody else. Because, again, I look back in, in back in the days in the 70s, you know, all my aunties and uncles and them, everybody was married, but ain't nobody was, you know, they wasn't, they wasn't biblically married. How about that? Mm-hmm. They wasn't okay. committed and there's some other issues going on. But if I repeat that same thing from what I learned and don't learn what the Bible says, because even you can't sometime, uh, here's another one, brother, you're going to get in trouble. Sometimes you can't listen to your mama and your daddy because you live through what their marriage is like. And if you want your marriage to be like that, then I don't, you know, then that's fine. But, if they wasn't living a life, if you be honest with ourselves and what we grew up in, we don't want our marriage to be like our parents' marriage. Then we have to go and find someplace else to be able to get the template, to get the instruction from. And that's what it yeah, is. That's what it really. That's what it really is. You'd almost call that a generational curse when you know you see it happen in one generation and you're continuing to repeat it in the next generation, the next generation. And as you said, you don't want that. You want your um, marriage to be built on um, Christ-like principles, you know, the principles that 
are laid in on the foundation of the Bible. Um, you are listening live now with the man in the mirror with host Hezekiah L. Montgomery and co-host Michelle Johnson. Now, um, Deacon Farr, as a man and as a as a courageous man that you are, give us you know some prime examples of some of the struggles you know that you went through in life before you know Christ turned you around to where you are in your ministry now, because. You know, when you have a good ministry, sometimes you've actually lived a life or went through some of the things or understand. Because if I've never, if I, if a, if I go to a bakery, and a man never made a baked a cake or a cupcake or a cookie ever in his life, why would I go to that bakery? So a good baker Amen. has well. Let me let me understand. Well, let me let me say this. There's two sides to that. You know, we can learn from the experiences of others in the past. It's true, but then there's also wisdom that you can get. You can glean from people who never been through stuff. When because when you say that to me, it brings it brings back a remembrance of a couple I knew again when I first got saved. You know, this couple they both were in church as child as youth as you know children, young adults. They were committed. To, they were committed to rigidity. When they got married, they were both virgins. And that was, you know, something that I could, you, we could glean from them. Because even though, you know, we were already married, like but that, at that time, we was married about 12, 13 years. And that was that was their testimony, that they, that, you know, they kept each other, they knew, met each other in college, and they were virgins in high school, and they were virgins until they got married. So it, it, that's something. But again, even after that, through their marriage of being saved their whole lives, they still went through some things and had a testimony of. They just came into it differently. Now, when we talk about folk who come, who who've been through some things, you know, I've been through a lot of things: job loss, you know, um, all kinds of things. We had drugs and and you know, alcohol partying. You know, it was the 80s and 90s. It was it was free. It was 80s and 90s, man. It was all free. It was all whatever you do, how you want to do, and and, and you know, it was it was uh, NWA and Public Enemy. It was cool. It, you know, it was out there. It was rocking and rolling. But um, you know, it, it looking back on it now, a lot of stuff was, you know, it, I've been. It, it, I, I thank God it came through it. You know, you know the the the, the um. The affairs, the other things going on, the hanging out all night, you know, hanging out, you know, two or three days, struggling. And then I lost jobs, you know, had issues with, you know, we had financial issues as a couple and and a lot of it. And, and that's, this was all before Christ. Again, I was, I was married like 15 years before we came to Christ. So, you know, we've been through some of the struggles, the ups and downs, you know. And I think that every young couple who's, you know, the struggle with, you know, when you get married and you don't have no married friends, because we got married in our 20s, and we really didn't have any other married friends. So, again, that's when I talk about hanging with single folk, that can get you in trouble. You know, hanging with, and when I say single folk, I mean even family. You know, you if you're the only married oh, okay. couple in the family... Yeah, if you only married a couple in the family and you used to run with your brothers and your sisters or your cousins or whoever, you that's for you first of all you say, Oh well, that's my family but they're still single. 
And that's what you have to be careful about. You know, you run in, you're doing things. You, you got a lot of things are going on with you, and you know, and, and you have to struggle through these issues and these problems. So, you know, I, I look back on it now as as I see it as God can do what He want to do, who He wants to do it with. And sometimes Amen. we go through some stuff, we go through things because we have to remember, you know. The most beautiful flowers, roses, and trees are rooted and grounded and grow in dirt and manure. So we have to understand some of us some of us is going to go through some dirt and manure to be able to blossom at, at the end because it's, it's all about it's all about where we end up, that where we come from, and that where we're at. But what we're trying to do and what we're trying to produce. Now I can look back, you know, I we have our children now, our children marry. And I, and I thank God they see us, see our marriage as as a structure, as as the the, the, uh, the pillar, just for my family, just for my children, and you know other young couples, mm-hmm. other young folks that we know, because they see us endure, especially my children. You know we have children. That's you know that's another thing. We'll talk about that later, I guess. But even our children, because my children were in their teens. When when a lot of stuff was going on between us, so they they were there. They were eyewitnesses to it. You know what I mean. So now to see us now, and know that it's because of God, because we say you know we, we they know who we are, that we pray, that we believe God, and that we every day are trying to get better, and they they see that and that said that again that we talked about setting the pattern previously. But I think I believe we're setting the pattern now for our children that they know that no matter what their marriage, no matter what their marriage will go through, they come to us and we can give us advice. But again, by seeing it, they know that it can work, and they have they know that they just have to, you know, they just have to stick it out and then and then seek the answers and try and find what it takes to do. It, it goes. It starts with counseling. It starts with the Word of God. It starts in believing in your spouse. It starts in, you know who your spouse is, you know what they're capable of, but you're going to stand by them until they get through this thing. Because everybody goes through stuff, and as life goes through, people may respond differently. But by God, they, you have to stand by them and, get, and, have, and go get through it with them. And they know they have a hope that they can that it's going to work out. It may not be wonderful now. I'm not going to say that because it can, get, it can get bad. It can get to the point where you're so frustrated and angry. But you know, that's where it's time to pray. That's when it's time to stand. You know, my wife has a testimony. You know, she just, she prayed. You know, there was a I let me tell you, it was so bad. My wife, back in the old days, we used to give testimony service in church. You know, my wife had a testimony, and she prayed that either God saved me or killed me. So, you know, it, that right there tells you where's that. Because, you know, how do you, how do you have a wife who's going to pray? That God either save her husband or kill him, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of thing. Wow, you know, that's 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 where we're at with it. And then you know that that was her testimony for a while, and I had to sit in the church and hear the testimony. So you know, so God was moving, wow. God was wow. moving me. God, God was moving me right there. But, but but we're better now, thank God. And uh, she don't want me Amen. to die no more. <laughs> hey, that's a beautiful thing. Amen. Now Amen. you said something that's full of. You said something that's extremely philosophical, and I'm actually ask you to back up and see if you remember it. 
you talked about dirt and manure, how, you know, you, things have to go for the dirt and manure. And I said, hmm, that's kind of philosophical. Backtrack and repeat that so that, you know, our audience makes sure that plants that in their mind. Oh, I mean, it, 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 it's growth. It's, it really, that's something. I'm not going to take credit for that. I heard that a preacher say that a while back. I can't remember when. But oh, I heard a preacher say that. okay. But um, but it, it, it's true. Some some stuff. Everything's not going to grow, you know, in 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 a, in a nice environment. Don't grow in. It, it takes something. It's got to grow in the soil, in the dirt. We have to fertilize and feed it. And we all know what fertilizer before chemical fertilizer, man-made fertilizer. It was manure. It was you know some things have to be fed and come through all that to blossom. And and that's 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 the principle that all of us are not going to be pristine. How did you say it? You know, there's greenhouse flowers, and then there's flowers that grow out in the in the wild. That's the best way I could do it. In the greenhouse, okay. it's, it's nurtured, it's it's climate controlled, it's 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 pruned, it's you know the soil. They flip the soil, turn the soil, aerate the soil. But then you see what God does with wildflowers out in the in the wilderness. They out there. They, you know, they out in the field, and the animals, they get to fertilize the animal. They get the rain when it rains. If it don't rain, they got to hold on. Roots go deep. You know, it's all, it's, it's just different. But in the end, God created the flower the same way. If we look at a rose, a rose grown out in the, in the wild or a rose grown in, in a greenhouse, it's still a rose. And it's going to still serve the same purpose. And that's what we have to, you know, I, I Again, I'm trying to remember some of the sermon, but I remember that phrase that everybody's stuff is growing, is going through some soil and manure because it has to grow, but it's still going to blossom in the end. And then that's where I Amen. see sometimes when we talk about men and women and struggling and, and didn't know God and being able to survive, all survive until God, to them and God rendezvoused at the same place. And then they have they have they have a testimony of that. They have a testimony of God kept me through those things if they didn't make it themselves until God used them. And then some people, when you when we again as the body of Christ, we're called to minister. Some people need to hear where we came from because they're living it right now and they're ready to give up. And that goes with marriage. That goes with life. That goes with whatever they're going through. Somebody they so there's someone that has each of us has a testimony that somebody needs to hear that will encourage them to believe God. And that's what I think it's, it's all really about, why some folk go through some stuff, and then some folk have come a different way. They come a different way. And my bishop used to say, everybody don't come to Christ the same way. So we have to remember that. Everybody's not coming to Christ the way you came to Christ. But if they're going to get there, they're going to, you know, there's something going on with them. They're bringing something with them that, they, that someone else is going to do. Excellent. Uh, and you're right. I was going to uh, uh, say that that comment or whatever that that you made in reference to, you know, having a testimony. That that is definitely important. You know, people are blessed by our testimony. So if you all never went through this, you and your wife never went through what you went through. You know, then how could you be a blessing to you, you know, married couples to let them, to be able to let them know that everything's not going to be rosy all the time, but that mm-hmm. we're, 
you know, I love what you said about how we're supposed to stand together and believe in one another even while we're going through. I think that was uh, an excellent point that you brought out. So I definitely agree with that. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Okay, you're now listening live with Hezekiah Montgomery and co-host Michelle Johnson on The Man and the Mayor with our special guest tonight, the man, the myth, the legend, Deacon Thomas Farr of uh, Issues Christian Men Talk um, on Public Access TV and on Blog Talk Radio. His show airs on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Um, Pastor, um, I'm going to call you Pastor. I must be prophesying. Deacon Farr, give us some um, information about how, you know, because I know you keep, you always mention that word issues. Where, what gave you the passion for men? And, you know, where did that come about? Well, you know, that came about because, again, when I, when I came to the church, as you know, let me let me put it let me let me make it in, in plain that the brothers is listening to understand. When I was doing when I'm when you out when you out you have your boys you've been handling, and we all have them. Even if it's ten, five, or it's just one other dude, you know you can call and y'all can go do what y'all want to do. Y'all can go to the club together, hang out together. You call three other brothers. Y'all call you can call somebody on a Friday night and y'all can party all weekend. Okay, so we all have that crew. That's what it used to be called, our crew, our boys, whatever. So coming to the church, when I first came to the church, this is in the mid-90s, mid, mid you know, the church is full of women and children. There was a couple brothers there. You know, they were, they were there's a couple brothers who came that, that were, you know, but majority. Some, unfortunately, it's still some churches today, it's still like that. You walk through the doors, there's women and there's children, you know, and, it's, and, and there's a couple of brothers there. Some got some suits on. They most likely are part of leadership. And then you have the other brothers who are there. You know, they just come, whatever. But it, I, I came to realize that a lot of men, they come to church for a couple of reasons. They come to church because their wife or their girlfriend nagged them so much to show up. Or, <laughs> you know, we got other brothers who show up in church and think they're going to find another girl because they're tired of chasing the girls in the neighborhood. All right. So when I came to church, I, I've always been a, a person who reads and understands because, well, a little bit of my, my spiritual background was um, I had an uncle who was part of Nation of Islam. I had, you know, I knew some other brothers who who was in the church. So, um, it, you know, it, it was Christianity for me in the 70s. It was Nation of Islam and, and Christians. And we all know right. the story with Nation Islam, you know, in the hood, the Nation Islam come with power. They come with why Christianity is this, white man's religion, yada, yada, yada. You talk to a Christian, they can't answer the simple questions. Okay? So, when I come to the church, I was always, the, I, you know, I had still had a lot of this stuff in me, but I was, you know, I was, I was teachable. So I said, you know what? Well, I got to start reading the Bible for myself, studying the Bible, trying to understand the Bible. And what it was, it, it, back in the 90s and early 80s, there was there was teaching going on, and then also there was some other things that was going on when you start talking about manhood. And we talk about the priest of the home, the husband's leader, being the leaders in the home, being the providers, being a spiritual leader, all this stuff they talked about, but then there was no real 
application for me, for my brother who wasn't raised in the church, you don't know what that what you're talking about. How do I apply that? And how do you really apply that? Because you could tell a brother, you're supposed to be the leader in your home, and your wife's supposed to submit to you. That's the most dangerous word you can tell a brother who don't know no better. Now you say, really? now, now you bring a controversy yeah. into a marriage from a lack of yeah. knowledge, but you you quote in scripture, you quote in you know Ephesians, you quote in wives submit unto your husbands, and you forget the husbands love your wives like Christ loves the church, but all we do is to submit. We're telling these brothers they should be doing this, that, and the other thing, but we're not giving no application, and we're not letting the men have an opportunity to mature to be able to lead their home. Because when they do, when you do that, they start to lead the same way they learned previously, and then want to call it them being the Christians. You know what I mean? But anyway, my thing was back in the nineties again. I, I think I God, I was blessed at the time. There was Promise Keepers. There was these uh-huh. were all men's yep, ministries. There was Promise Keepers. It was Christian Men's Network. T.D. Jakes first started. He had manpower. The first couple of years when he had manpower, he used to go west coast, east coast. He had it here at the Verizon Center in D.C. one year, and we went. We used to get T.D. Jakes manpower uh, H, uh, VHSs. Go way back, you know, the VHSs. And we would, we, I mean, I would have them. I would watch them. And he, and he was one of some of the influences. And starting to understand what it meant to be a Christian man. And what it was, I think that helped me mature. And then I started, and then as we, you know, the church, again, the church I was in, the men, we started to come together and talk about these things and and shape and mold. And, again, it, it was something that, you know, God speaks about his word to straight to show ourselves approved. And, again, I had a passion to be a better husband, to be a better father, to be a godly husband and a godly father. And, again, I sowed into some of these things and took it to heart to learn it, understand, understand what it meant to do, understand what it meant to be a servant leader, to be the leader in the home. It doesn't mean, you know, to dictate and a lot of these other things. And then, you know, what it meant to really be a servant overall in the body of Christ as men in their role. And I think that's something that's missing because, again, it, it, you know, sometimes things are repeated. We talk about generational things. We still have it today. Brothers are coming to church for all kinds of other different reasons and to seek God, and understand, and then and not necessarily being mentored or discipled and what it means to be a man of God. That's, what my, that's where my passion came from, because that thing is really what helped me, root me and ground me in the Word, root me and ground me into to be a father and a husband and what it means to provide. And being a provider does that mean you and my salary, that means how much money I make as I've been out of work. And that's one of the things we have to, that's one of the, the, the mindset that we have to definitely fix. You know, you still, are you not the husband and father just because you have to be unemployed? Are you not the leader of the home and responsible of the home just because your wife makes more money than you? So that's a biblical thing. And that's what, that's a lot of things that are not being addressed or taught to men. And that's why I had about passion to, to, to get on men's ministry just to help these brothers. And then to help young brothers who, again, when you talk about the church, full of women and children, some of them children were boys and did not have any male role model or male presence at home. After they left the church for three hours on Sunday and maybe youth, youth service during the week, they went home and there was no man in their life. It was just their mother. And that was another thing that, that you know, we we, we 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 tried to address that, 
because those young boys today, I look back on it now, that was in the 90s. This is 2015. All of those young brothers in their 20s, 25, mid-20s now. You know, and and the ones that we have right now, these nine and ten year olds, little boys that we think is you know so cute right now, in fifteen years y'all gonna be sick and tired of them because they're still acting like ten year olds. But that's a whole nother discussion. But um, that's what men's ministry, my passion was that, and then I find out too, even at where I'm at now, I know that I see that men when we have when we have these men's meetings where we actually get men together in a fellowship and start discussing some of the problems, some of the stuff that go, that's where I got issues from. These brothers still have, we have the same issues as men outside the church. There's men who have issues with pornography. Exactly. There's men who have still have issues with their wives. There's men who still have issues with finance. They have a lot of issues, and sometimes these things are not really addressed biblically. And I, and I just believe that, that a ministry to men is important because we have to be able to build these brothers up. Again, because I look back on mine, I was already 36 years old, 36 years old, and and I was who I was. And then I come into the body of Christ. I need someone to help me renew my mind. And this is what I believe about the passion where I have about men's ministry and ministering to these men. That you know, okay, we understand that you you know we, but you can't first thing tell a man he's been doing something for the last 10, 15 years and tell him he's been doing it all wrong. But you can't explain to him why, you know. Right. So right. it's a process. It's, it's a discipling and mentoring, and that's where I got the passion for men's ministry. Because the only way we can do it, sometimes only a man can talk to a man. Because sometimes a wife can't talk to her husband and constantly be correcting him for something she heard the preacher say. That's another formula for disaster. Yeah. Okay? So this is why, again, that's why I have a passion for men's ministry men's gatherings, men's fellowships, where some of this stuff is brought out. Because even some of the fellowships I'm involved with now, we hear brothers come and they're saying the same thing. You know, we tell, we tell men and we tell men on in the church service or whatever that they should be praying with their wives, but you know, praying with their wives and leading prayer in the home. But their wife prays and she goes off into the, into the, into the spirituals, you know, she goes into the Pentecostal side, and the, that brother's not there. He don't think he's praying, and his prayers are not being heard because she's been right. in church a whole lot longer, and she's praying, you know, she's praying, quote, unquote, she's praying in the spirit. And if he ain't there, now he feels inadequate that his prayers was not as good as her prayer. And now how does that make him feel? And he's supposed to be the man leading the prayer. So these are issues he has. Now, He's not worried. He ain't doing prayer at home because he's tired of her going out in the spirit on in 15 minutes and supposed to be praying together. I'm just saying. These are issues right. we have. And it's issues when we, again, I talked about, you know, the finances and the money. You know, so maybe if, if your wife makes more money than you and she don't want to turn the finances over to you. Or, you know, it, it, that, that, you know, you know how money is. Money, everybody's, everybody in salvation, you ain't tied to money because sometimes houses will fall apart over finances. If you're making money, are we putting it all together? Or do we have separate accounts? I mean, that's what we, it can be whatever it could be. There's no, no right way. But whatever you do, you have to be in agreement with. You know, sure. because that finances, you know, if you ain't making enough and the rent ain't getting paid and you got a wife who's going to remind you that your paycheck ain't enough to pay the rent, and she got to keep giving you almost half the rent every month because you ain't making enough to make it, 
okay, you can, I can't talk to that brother about God no more, and I can't talk to him about leaving his home because he goes home and gets broken right. down. Like, he be, his wife might even be on the choir and an ancestor in church, but she treat him not like he's a leader of the home at home. And now that we have right. marriage. But if something's not addressed in marriage, in marriage ministry, in advanced ministry, on how to deal with it, to work through it, to pray about it, to to be proactive in it, we'll go. But you know, you can married a bunch of years, and you know, you, you still you don't you don't even like each other, but you married, and everything's a struggle, and and God can't bless that, you know. So. There's a lot of issues that, that why I got into men's ministry, and those are just some of the ones that I know of, some of the stuff I struggle with, some of the stuff I've known other brothers to struggle with. And I think the best way, is like anything else, we have to, I believe in men's ministry, if we get to the root of the issues and root of the problem, then we can see the manifestation of the fruit, the godly fruit. We can see the marriages change. We see brothers change. We can see brothers walk in their road to be the leaders in the home leaders in the community and leaders in the church, if we get to the root of what's going on, if we get to some of these issues that they're dealing with, because they're coming, right. you know, we come to Christ. We all come to Christ with stuff. But it just seems like some of the men's stuff is not being addressed, and we got brothers out there just flapping in the breeze spiritually. They're not being mentored. They weren't fathered. So then they're not, now they're not being mentored. And now there's a lot of facade because you know if, if you know if I put a suit on and my and my shoes match my tie, people think I got it all going on. But we're not talking about what's underneath all that. I mean, Jesus talked about whitewashed uh, tombstones. You know, it's dead inside, but it's pretty on the outside. So that's that's where, my, that's where all my passion comes from. I have a saying for that issue you said about the suit. It's not the suit that makes the man. It's the man that makes the suit. Because just like you said, a lot of people put on a suit and think they have arrived. It's just a covering. And, you know, you don't make the suit. The suit doesn't make you. You have to make the suit. But um, I, I appreciate everything you said so far because, you know, we need, I know we need more men out there doing the same thing you're doing, dealing with the issues of today's men. Um, give our listening audience information, um, how to contact you about your um, live talk radio show, which airs Saturday, Saturday mornings at 10, and about your public access TV, which was special to me because, you, you know, let me be one of your special guests, which was, uh, you know, privilege to be in your presence and just being interviewed about my book. But just give our listening audience some information of how they can contact you. Amen, sir. Amen. Let me say this. I want to appreciate you uh, allowing me to come on your show and fill your airwaves and fill up your time here. You know, it, it's a blessing, brother. And since we met, we, you know, we met through uh, C. Marie, and, you know, and we got hooked up on her show. And, you know, it's been a blessing uh, meeting you, and I pray that we can do more and more things we could do and work out together. Um, Issues Christian Men's Talk is Saturday at 10 o'clock. Every Saturday we're live, Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. We're at uh, 949-272-9483. Or you can go online at www.pwnradio.net. 
You can listen there for the live show on Saturdays. Also, you can go there and find the archive for all our past shows. We're coming up on uh, we're coming up on one year this month, matter of fact. So there's about 52 weeks of shows there that you can look back, go back on and listen to. Um, for the public access thing, we're here. We're local in uh, Anne Arundel, Howard County. For those of who are locally in Baltimore, Howard County, and uh, Anne Arundel County, we're on the public access channel. It'll be channel 39 on Fios and channel 99 on uh, what is broadband and all the other cables, Verizon. So whatever, the, whatever your public access is in Howard County, Anne Arundel County, we're on there. We're on multiple times a week. Um, the best place to first place, I know you can find us is Mondays at 8 o'clock. But we were on a couple other times throughout throughout the week. We're in the middle of the day. We've got um, some evening times. We have some uh, Saturday afternoon times. I believe it's three. Um, also, you can go for the video. You can go to GodTube. That's GodTube.com. And if you just type in Issues Christian Men's Talk, and we should, you you have some of from some of our videos will pop up there. Some of our shows that are, that are there, that are archived there on the internet. That's at GodTube.com, and just type in Issues Christian Men's Talk. And lastly, we have a we have a Facebook page. You can Facebook me at Thomas Farr, or you can go, we have the Issues Christian Men's Talk Facebook group and page there. You can like us there, link us there. And usually there you'll find uh, ongoing uh, men's events. Uh, we post any all in men's events. If you're having a men's event, you can let us know. We'll post it there. And that's we're we're national with that. We got we got brothers from almost uh, all over the country, and a couple of international brothers. Um, we them in the military, so they they're linking into us. And what we do, we like we want, and what we do on the Facebook page especially is we network, because you know brothers, you know you never know when a brother might need to go to find need a men's group one weekend, and know that he can go somewhere, go be around some Christian brothers, may hear a word of encouragement, might fellowship, might meet a new friend you know, someone else to talk to, whatever. And, and the opportunities that we need to do men, can Christian men come together and in fellowship and hear a word, get a word of encouragement and just, you know, and broaden their, their, their circle of influence, their, their base. Again, we all had those homies we hung with, but now if we come to the church, we need some new brothers to hang with. So, so um, that's that's opportunity we can do that there. So those are the places where you can contact us. And then Facebook is the best place to get you know directly. You can um, friend me, message me, you know, send me some stuff, and um, and uh, and pray with someone out there listening. We can connect. We have, we have conferences. We have men's events. Again, I say, and you have opportunity to come around Christian men. Here's some powerful brothers. Because I know a lot of ministries and pastors who are preaching about men directly, talking about their thing. We're talking about some of these things and how men can be better, and there's teaching, there's fellowships, there's, there's a lot of things going on specifically for men because you know I, the, the pastors that I'm connected with and the, and the bishops, they they understand that it all starts with the man, it starts with the father. You know they know that if they can minister to the father and the husband, most of their job would be a lot easier. Because if we, we if we win a man, if we get a man, if we get a man rooted and grounded in the Word of God, and he's a foundation for his family, a lot of the stuff that goes on in our culture and in this community, and even in the church, can be handled and take and can be worked out through the community, through the man in the church. We strongly believe that. 
but we have to be able to address some of their issues and get them to a place of maturity, a place of maturation, and give them a, 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 a minister and disciple to them. So that's 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 what you know we're trying to do. We're trying to build it because a lot of churches don't have it. A lot of churches, you know, they, pastors don't have a vision for it. And you know, and even it's not even they may have a vision, but they don't have men. And we take this opportunity to come together because even for the men, for the unbeliever, again we talked about the husbands who don't come. We teach their wives and their kids are there, but the husband just ain't coming. And I think, and I believe, ministry to men is a way to get those brothers to come and see there's other men dealing with what they're dealing with, or just like them, but they have a new perspective on it because they've seen it through God's eyes and not from the culture or how they were raised. And that that's what another man sometimes needs to see another man doing, and then another man who will come alongside and help and help him understand and get to where he can go that will make his life and family life better. Excellent. We're going. To, I'm glad you gave that information because you have a lot of stuff. And when we come back, I want to just repeat some more your information because this is Father's Day weekend coming up, and this was basically I meant to say this earlier. This was a pre-Father's Day show just to prepare, uh, you know, our men to get ready, and uh, you know, the wives and the children get ready for Father's Day weekend because they're. Unfortunately, there are good men out there, but sometimes good men aren't, you know, they're not, you know, given a respect or, you know, given an honor that they should get. But just once, you know, once a year, you know, Father's Day. But, you know, we should honor those men every day. And that's why I appreciate everything you've been doing with, you know, all these programs that are out there for men. But you're listening live with, um, Hezekiah uh, Montgomery and Hope Michelle Johnson. Um, Michelle, did you have any more comments before we go to break? Uh, no. no. Okay. Excellent. Um, before we go to break, a uh, note from our supporters, music instruction for all learners where music knows no age. If you're interested in music instruction such as piano lessons or instrumental lessons, please contact us at 443 an appointment um, to talk to our instructors. Um, you can also like us on our Facebook page at Music Instruction for All Learners. And our website is at www.musicinstructionfal.com. And another sponsor is Curry Boss Project. Curry Boss Project was created to empower, inspire, and motivate and change the lives of full-figured women. Curvy chicks are boss chicks too, not to mention beautiful, intelligent, and talented. Please check them out on Facebook at Curvy Boss Project, and their website is at www.curvyboss.com. Um, we're just going to take a break, and then we'll be back with a live chat with Thomas Farr, husband, father, deacon, and a man on fire for God on the man and the mirror. What if you call me and don't feel me near you? Will you still trust me? What if I tell you to let go of the very thing that you think you have to hold? Will you trust me? Yes. I'll trust you, Lord. What if it costs my life? Yes. I'll trust you, Lord. What if I lose the very thing I love so dear? Yes. 
Somebody say, yes, I'll trust you, Lord. Somebody say, yes. Come on, put your hands up and say, yes, I'll trust you, Lord. I'll trust you. I'll trust you. Ah, I can hear Jesus singing. I know the thing is when everything is going well. But can you still believe in me when your life's a living And when all the things around you seem to quickly fade away, there's just one thing I really want to know. Will you let go? Stand on my word. All odds, will you believe what I have said? What seems impossible? Will you believe? Every promise that I made.
Johnson, and we're continuing our live chat with Thomas Farr, husband, father, deacon, and a man on fire for God. Deacon Farr, just again, give us some more information about what's happening this Father's Day weekend so our, you know, live listeners um, will be able to, you know, jot this down or, you know, go onto your Facebook page and see all this information. And before he does that, if you have if you're listening in and have any questions, you can go to the chat room. Um, Michelle will be hosting there, or you can press one on your handset. But Deacon um, Far, go ahead and um, give us some more information before we go on further into our interview. Amen, sir. Amen. Well, um, this weekend is Father's Day weekend. I know we've got a couple of events. Uh, if you're out in Glen Burnie area and in the county area, we know that uh, the Apostle Larry Lee Thomas is in Empowering Believers Church of the Apostolic Faith. He's having a men's uh, conference this weekend. He's located at 7566 East Howard Road in Glen Burnie. His phone number is 410-761-9272. And he's having a season of activity, a time to advance. Men of God fulfilling the priesthood. And he's, it's a, we've been in conference all week long. I'm not be out here tonight, but I'm going to be there tomorrow on Friday evening. And Saturday there's a men's breakfast, and on Sunday there's a uh, service. So we invite you to come out again. Again, you can go to Facebook, Issues Christian Men's Talk Facebook page. We'll have the link there. We'll have the information, the flyer we posted there. Also, uh, you can reach me at Thomas Farr on Facebook. Um, you can reach me directly 
uh, you can email me at rejoicetv at gmail.com. That's rejoicetv at email. I mean, sorry, rejoicetv at gmail.com. And also I wanted to give a shout-out. I want to share some information here about um, one of the men's fellowships that I'm part of. It's Married Men Making a Difference. And the director there is Derek Purcell, and we have a month. We have a monthly. Um, we have monthly men's prayer line that we usually run uh, the first second Monday of every month, the second Monday of every month, and also quarterly we have men's fellowships, we have conferences and workshops, and then we have just uh, hangout nights where the brothers get together and we just do something. You know, we just hang out, spend some time together. You can reach him directly. That's married men making a difference. You can reach him at 443-630-9197. Thank you, sir. Excellent. Excellent. Now, we just, I want to actually talk to you now, move on to what's happening. What do you think is happening to our men today in today's society with everything that is going on? Um, I talk to my friends about it, and they're not on the same level as I am. Some of them, in certain areas, you know, about what's happening in society, what's happening in the Baltimore area. What are your viewpoints um, on on this? Because I tell them the devil is busy. We, you know, we're looking at the physical, spiritual thing that's going on right now, um, and. You know, being a man right now, I'll be honest, being a black man right now is the hardest thing to do because of all that's going on. What are your, What is your insight? Well, brother, um, I think it, it's a lot. You're right. It, it's the enemy. He's trying to destroy families. He's trying to take men out of their place. He's trying to cut off the bloodlines. You know, he, 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 it, it, it's it's a lot. It's a lot of it. You know, the violence, and uh, a lot of it is the frustration. A lot of it is the frustration with not working, with not being able to hold. A lot of it is, is not being able to hold up your end. It's a lot of it is young men have no direction in their life. You know, we hear it a lot. It's, it's been said, you know, some young some young men are just lost. They just don't have, they don't have a vision for their future. They don't have a vision for themselves. And without a vision for themselves, you can never have a vision for a family. You know, and and, and it, it's it's so much. And then, but my thing is, I do want to share is that it's, a lot of this is not new. This has been these, the struggle that as black men in America, the struggles is every generation. It's just sometimes it seems more intense in other words, and and in other times, especially with a lot of it is coming down to trying to police our neighborhoods. Because, you know, because of now this this generation of guys, of young men, are a little bit more violent. They're clashing with police. There's a breakdown with authority. And that all feeds back into there's no male role models and there's no authority in the home. So you if, if, if you have a person who doesn't respect authority in their home, you can't expect nothing from them when they're out you know, amongst us in the, in the community. And that's what a lot of it is. You know, because I come from, again, you know, I come from a time in the 70s, you know, the police were the police. It wasn't, I wouldn't, you know, it, a lot of things happen now that I don't even see myself doing when I was a teenager. When I was a teenager, I didn't see myself fighting the police, thinking that this is supposed to be a fist fight or that, you know, when the police 
stop me. I don't know. Well, I haven't been a young man walking the streets in a while, but, you know, the police in the neighborhoods just asking you questions is not a reason to have attitude. And I think that's a problem with an immaturity that, you know, that, that, that we feel we're disrespected if any kind of authority is approached, is approached us or talked to us because we didn't learn it at home. We just didn't learn to respect authority. And because of what's going on, these, a lot of young men are just following what they're seeing. You know, everybody talks, you know, and especially now in this culture, I'm confused by it all because everybody wants to refer back to the civil rights movement and all this other stuff. But that tells me they don't know their history because those, because if you look at the civil rights movement, they took a lot of abuse to change things. They didn't fight the police. I mean, there was riots in the 70s. You know, I've, I've lived through riots and blackouts. But, you know, when you're trying to protest something, you know, it, it's when you're trying to protest a point for for some kind of justice or political statement, then the, the, the destruction shouldn't come right after that. And, and and I think it's just a lot of pressure. And it's a lot of pressure on, on homes and families. And young people uh, just don't have a vision. And, you know, and, I, and that's one of the things also that we talked about in, in, on my show and what we talk about in some of the fellowships is that us men, even the men in the church, us, um, us um, uh, uh, men of a certain age, to use a phrase, we have to start engaging these, in these communities and these young people. We have to get outside the church walls and really engage. I mean, some churches are doing it. Some churches don't even have a mindset to do it. And some Christian men are so busy with stuff in the church that we're not reaching out and showing another way, another moral direction, another way to look at it. I mean, it, it, everybody gets angry. You know, church baby, men of God, we get angry about the circumstances, but what do we do right. with that anger, frustration, and rage? Are we going to do something that's going to motivate us to change? Can I get angry at the police mistreatment, but now am I get angry enough to go into the communities, or we can get angry enough to open up our church buildings and, and put wrecks in if the city closes the wreck down, so let's bring the young people to the church building. I mean, there's a lot of things to it. I don't want to call folk out, but there's things we can do where we can take this anger and, be, and it can be turned to a positive. And, it's, and some of it is we have to put, and to use a term, we need, to, we need to put men of God and we need to put boots on the ground in these neighborhoods, you know, because we Amen. have, even in Baltimore, I see it that a lot of these churches, you know, their members don't live in the, in the same neighborhoods these churches are in. And that's been, we, right. we, that's been something that's been brought up a long time ago. It's just nothing new. That's not a 2015 thing. A lot of the churches, because with people, you know, as people, you know, reach, reach the economic advantages as they, as they, uh, progress, you know, they, they want better, and that's fine. But the churches are still in these neighborhoods, but none of the none of the parishioners live in those neighborhoods. And I think that's going to be they, the outreach has to be better. And it, it, it's so much. But, again, the frustration of 2015, to me, is not new. And There's unless we – right. Unless we do something proactive, we're going to go through the same struggles. We're not going to, the enemy still is going to get a foothold in our communities because there's some things going on in our community that, you know, the, the enemy has footholds. Some a lot of people don't want to say that, but the enemy, the enemy has footholds in some of these communities, and it's going to take 
it's gonna take it's gonna take some men of God to get in the on in the, in the neighborhoods and get out there and minister the word of God, give people hope, some real hope, give people the at the resources, you know, and 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 I think we could I think we could do but through through Christ and through the Holy Spirit we can do it, but I don't think we all Amen. have a mindset to do it, and I think that. And, and all of this stuff is a manifestation too, because again, again, the emotions of what we see on the news is a whole nother subject. Because that right there right. to me is a whole nother. That's perception. Because if young people see that, they think that's real, and they think that's right. the solution to the problem because they see it. And if you see it constantly, you know, you know, locally here in Baltimore, you know, we watched we watched Ferguson, we watched the other riots, and then when it came here. That's what they saw, and I guess they 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 mimic the same thing because that's easy. Right. It's easy to destroy. Yeah, it's easy to go and and do all the things they were doing. But then you know it was it was said among some of the men I know and some of the pastors I know when you, all these cameras are gone, what's going to happen then? And we see it now. There's no more cameras in Baltimore. So what's going on down there in Penn and North now? What's going on right. in Baltimore? You know, you, we don't see it's, it's not newsworthy anymore, but there's still people down there. There's still young men down there who are lost. There's still young men now that summons here and school is out. What is all these young people going to do now that they're out of school? You know, they 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 throw in a bunch of money, but we'll see what kind of what kind of thing what what's that going to do? Really going to do? And it, it's a lot, and it, it's it's not new. And I think that we need men of wisdom, men of God, to come to the forefront. Do get involved. I mean, even I, you know, you know, I mean, it doesn't take the pastors and the bishops. It takes the brothers in the church. Come up with a mentoring program. Go, go, be part of a mentoring program that's already in place. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. That's my, that's my new thing. Right. I don't, I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to go and get my certified and get my, 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 uh, what is it, tax-free exempt status and get certified. All I got to do is be volunteer to be a mentor in a program that's up and running. But right. That's what we need. We need soldiers. We need foot soldiers. We need men who are willing to sacrifice some time. You know, everybody works 40 hours, but then we have to get back. And then as men of God, we are called to the widows in office. We are called for also for our house, but we are also called for the widows in office. So when we talk about young men who don't have fathers in their home, we need to go where they are. And we need to, you know, and I, we all have middle schools, elementary schools, high schools, that there's some kind of mentoring going on. There's churches that are doing mentoring programs that are looking for volunteers. There's men's boys and girls clubs that are looking for males to volunteer and mentor and give to themselves. And I think that's something that, as men of God, should be pushed. That's something else that we talk about, that we need to be able to, you know, go and, and, and show them another way. You know, and one of my other things, you know, that we got to talk about too. I know you've seen it on Facebook too. People are mocking these young brothers on how they dress and with their pants down. So what we're, what we're doing as men of God and people who want to, you know, criticize are you once you criticize the person on what they look like, why you think they're going to hear anything else you have to say to them? We don't yeah. do that no place right. else, but we do that. We mock them. We got signs, and, and I mean, these are black men telling young black men, "Pull your pants up." We wanted to, we want to explain why they do it. It's it's the fashion, it's whatever. But 
but do, do we see them in a young soul in need of salvation? Do we want to change their outside appearance? Because I could put them in a suit, a tie. I put them in a three-piece suit and a tie. And as you know, like you know, the shoes match the tie, but it ain't still selling crack on the corner. So what? If they're still right. womanizing, if they're still shooting each other just because they got a nice suit on, but they're still shooting each other with nine millimeters, okay, so what? So what they're wearing and their outward appearance, we we getting distracted. That's the enemy's plot is separate us by generation, is separate us right. by ex socioeconomic status because they're doing what they want to do. And again, I'm a guy from the seventies, so I remember when you know when brothers used to wear cornrows in their hair, they was you know that was rebellious, you know. And we used to wear jeans and sneakers and dungaree vests and you know all that stuff. And we were whatever. But, you know, that didn't tell us what was inside of us. Because I right. know brothers right. today who did, who did the same thing, but they went to college. They have families now. I'm one of them brothers. I'm out here. I'm like grandpa. Y'all wouldn't have been, if I, y'all see me in the 70s, y'all wouldn't remember what I, y'all wouldn't even recognize who I am. But, however, right. <laughs> we have to anyway. stop letting things separate us. Go ahead, sir. Right. But anyway, we do have a question in the room, and what I'm going to do, um, we have a question with phone number ending in 3330. I'm going to let them come on, and I do appreciate everything you said so far. Um, Phone number ending in 3330, are you there? Yes, I am, brother. How are you doing today? I am blessed. Um, you uh, You have a question, comment for us? Yeah, Brother Deacon Farr. Um, basically, um, I just first of all I just want to applaud um, this whole show, um, this foundation, and this forum, because this is what we need is um, communication be- between our brothers and kings. You know, um, to me that has eroded, as the gentleman has said. Um, we need the older, wiser, you know, brothers to get out here in the street and share the wisdom that they have. Half of these children out here. Like he said, don't have a parent in the house. It might be the mom, and she's working two, three jobs to support the whole family by herself. And they're raised by the TV and the news and what they see, that negative programming. If, like he said, if you believe that, if you just see this world with your eyes, you you really lost. You know what I mean? Um, but if they're never taught of, of that, they're the temple that is about that personal relationship with the um, Savior, you know what I mean? And, 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 and that they are a purpose and have value, because we live in a world that seeks to erode that, their purpose, their value, um, their worth, to make them seem that their life is it's nothing but a throwaway, an accident or anything. No, everything is very purposeful. Each vessel has a, has a, um, something to it, a, a unique aspect, something that they can only do what some would say a mission or a purpose that they only could bring through fruition through them working their able hands and body. So we need to um, basically stoke the flames of their spirit and their soul, awaken that within them because they're unaware of that. A lot of them are unaware of that. They don't speak of that. They're not going to tell you your original people. They're not going to tell you like that you're the science and math and that you're, you know what I mean? Like you, you, the, you, the building block brother. 
basically. They ain't going to tell you that, you know what I mean? And and it's because they don't want your light to shine, the powers that be, you know what I mean? And also how the brother said, um, I, I think with dealing with the cops and everything like that, I think the respect has been lost in our homes. Our brothers and sisters do not know how to communicate to each other. We don't know how to hear each other out. Um, but but saying all these things, I, I am I know that it's possible. We we serve a Lord that is nothing impossible. But it all starts with the, what the people see of themselves when they look in the mirror and that reflection they see. Do they accept themselves, you know, or do they do they despise themselves? You know, we have to. To me, the key is love. And we have to pour that love that's been ingrained in our heart out on the world that surrounds us because we're all surrounded by the world. But we can make an impact on the world by sharing our love. I tell people all the time, like, how do you change the world? They're like, how, how? You change your world and change the way you see it. And that will affect others. Others will, because it's about faith with works. It ain't about um, people pointing out the obvious. You got a lot of that. But when it comes to actually getting out there in the streets and spending some time and, and investing in our young men, our young women, our young princesses, our young princesses, you know what I mean? Um, they don't, you know, where you at now? Yo, I can't find you. Don't pick up the phone. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, saying all that, this is just a great fellowship. I'm happy that I called in to hear um, this brother speak. Um, spoke very wisely, you know, and that's what the youth needs is wise instruction and, and loving guidance. And uh, But there's nothing here, there's nothing in this world that we cannot reclaim. And as the brother did say, the way my dad would t- say it, he's like, we're behind enemy lines in a fallen world. Yeah, the principalities, the, the enemy going to have some footholds and some strongholds. But um, we know that through the spirit, you know, it ain't nothing, you know, and through that what we speak, man, we got the victory. Amen. Amen. Deacon Farr? Amen. Amen. I agree. I mean, that's what it is. I agree with Brother Stanley. You're right. It's about, you know, it's all about. That's what the media does. It distorts who we are, who we should be, who we can be. And because uh, our young people in their, it's the only one way to say it, in, in their youth, they don't realize that they can do more and be more. And if, can't, if they don't really see it and if we don't get to the point where we are trying to encourage them and, and get them to understand that your, your life is, is a purpose to your life. Yeah. And like that brother was saying, we have to understand, we have to let our young people know, I don't care what you came from, what you started with, you have, there's a purpose for you to be here. And that purpose, you can be the first one to do anything. If you, I don't care where your family comes from. I don't care what you're struggling with. I don't even care what you have done. That you can, and God can use you, but you have to get, and you have to get in your mind that you want more out of your life than where you're at, what you're doing, or what even you can see. And then that goes back to us getting back into these communities, getting back in there, really engaging them. You know, I recently recently had a men's event, and a young brother was there, a 16-year-old brother was there. I praise God that he came to the event. And he's around older men. He's about the youngest one there. And he said he he wouldn't feel comfortable talking to any of the men that were there because he's, he's looking for someone at his age, and he can't find no peers with no positive thing. And then he feels uncomfortable talking to older men. And we tried to, to try and to dig into that and find out. And what came what came out of it basically was you know, inconsistency, and he has to gain trust with an older brother before he would open up to him. And that and that's something that, that resonated with the men that were there. You know, if we can minister, you know, we do it all the time in church. We see the young brother come, 
and we talk to him on Sunday, but the rest of the week we don't find we get nothing. We don't he don't have our phone number. We don't call looking checking up on him. We don't do any of those things. And I think it has to be on purpose. And that's some of the other things we talk about. When we talk about ministers and men that you have to be on purpose. You can't want to. I don't care what you call it, but you can't chastise or speak to a young man only when you see him on Sunday. And he got he's got to go back to his peers six days a week. He might have, again he might have no godly influence unless until he comes to church. But we're not we're not all purpose and structurally reaching out to these young men as he was going on with their lives besides Sunday morning, besides Bible study or whatever it is. And and, and but it, it has to be on purpose. We have to have a mindset. We have to think this way. We have to make a part of who we are if we truly want to be instead of just talking about it and having rhetoric. Again, there's a lot of things already established out here. They're looking for them to volunteer. And any man that I think on this line is listening, it's time for you to get up and go find something volunteer. I bet you can walk out your neighborhood and find a safety center, the boys and girls club, the, the whatever. It's a, I guess they still do the shelter. Express yourself. Look at all the still women. You know, you go to shelter now, it's full of women and children, and they have a need. If you go there, you see one of the different men, the black men showed up in shelter, served the meal. What effect that would have on the children in that shelter and the young men that are there with their mothers, but they have no place else to live. And that's a small, simple thing. So, this is what it is. We just have to get a mindset to it. And that's my thing that I'm trying to get out there, talk about, to get the brothers, get them up off the couch, you know. I'm trying to get these brothers before the Ravens and Redskins are playing again because then I'll never see them. But hopefully <laughs> yeah, God, will right. move, God will move on that spirit and y'all ain't got to watch every game that y'all can go right. out there and, and throw into somebody's life. Somebody's like you really can affect because none of them brothers who's playing in the game, they, they don't care. They, they got something else in their mind, but you are, your resource, your time, and your talent is needed to change somebody else's life for that same time. And, and even if and if, you, if it is a game, everybody, everybody sits at home and watch the game. Let's bring the brothers together and watch the game and gather some of these young brothers and watch the game with them. And that's another thing you can do. Just company of men to help the young men. But we have to be on purpose about it. That's, that's all. We just have to try and be on purpose about it and make it happen. Excellent. I just want to thank the caller that called in. I, we do appreciate you giving us a call. Um, maybe, you know, Deacon Farr, to give this information, you guys can exchange information on um, Facebook where you can keep, you know, keep um, knowing Definitely. what's going on, what he is doing, what he is doing. We're now winding down the last few minutes. Um, Deacon Farr did give his information and call her again. I thank you and I hope to, you know, hope you join us the next time we uh, we air with going to be in the next two weeks for our next show. Definitely, okay. definitely. Um, yeah. And this is um, Ipiani Lockhart of our motivational realizations. The energy of positive thought, the mirror does not change, just your reflection. And um, you can hit me up, man. I put um, one of the poetry pieces I wrote in their event page on Facebook, man. Um, definitely want to connect with the spiritual brothers um, and the brothers of action, you know, um, the ones, the, the soldiers, you know. Definitely. Thank you, sir. No problem, brother. Thank you for um, having this wonderful forum, man. This is a powerful fellowship, and everything's purpose, so we were supposed to speak to each other today. 
Amen. All right, we are Amen. winding down the last the last um, three minutes of the show. Um, any comments, Michelle? No, just that this has um, been a wonderful discussion, and it's wonderful to hear uh, a man's point of view on the community, especially a positive point of view on, you know, how men can get back out in the community. So I've enjoyed it, definitely. Deacon Farr, thank you so much for coming on the show. Love this, this conversation. Excellent. I'd like to thank you all, all those who have been listening this evening. This was a good show because we had a chance to talk to a great man. Thank you, Deacon Farr, um, for your friendship, inspiration, and support. You all can go to my website at www.hezekiahlmontgomery.com and please sign uh, my guest book. We're still doing the fundraiser for Rediscovering Kyla. Check the website and hit the GoFundMe link, and we'll take you to take you to our backers play, page. Please support the play, which will be out. We were expecting this summer, but we're tweaking that. But God is still able. Our goal is to raise five thousand dollars. Again, please go and support the cause. Deacon Far again, Far again, you were. A great inspiration tonight, and I thank um, uh, Carla for coming in as well. Uh, this is Hezekiah. This is Hezekiah uh, Montgomery signing off, and I'll see you at the mirror. I give myself away. I give myself away. So you can use me. I give myself away. I give myself away. So you can come on, let him know. I give myself away. I give myself away. So you can use me. I give myself away. What would happen if a generation embraced this? Come on, tell me. Here I am. Here.